Welcome to Dominion Sonship Live today, and we have a message. We always have a message. And the message is new mind, new mind. It's amazing. I, I went back over the message titles, and uh, right before we came into this uh, newer message titles, which was starting on uh, with a new you, and then we did... Um, new life and now we're doing new mind the message right before that uh, which was a theme for about two months was on love and the last title was love leads us forward love is forward and so it's just need to go and look at the progression of the lord is what is the forward life the forward life is the born again life there's no forward motion without a motion towards God or we can even say a motion of God within us towards him because really without a lead of the Holy Ghost without the conviction of the Holy Spirit we will be we will know what forward is we actually be going backward thinking we're going forward so misguided we can be without a clear direction and without a clear lead of the holy spirit so so the last message on 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 the topic of love and we had been camping there for for a long season and uh, talked about uh, love leading us and and um and then we moved into new you and then we did that because we are born again we're born of god and because we're born of God, we have new life. And so that was last week we talked about this newness of life. And what this new life is the Christ life within us. It's not my life anymore. It's not, uh, I don't uh, distinguish myself or know myself after my natural parental descent, so to say. But I know now myself after my heavenly descent, I know myself as a child of God. And actually, the scripture we did not read last week. Let's go to John chapter 2. We didn't read it, but I'll, I'll read now before I start into this message. It actually, it's John 1, I believe. New mind, new mind. We have a new mind because we have a new life. And this new life that is of God has a new mind. And so here in John chapter 1, let's go to, to, to 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him. That's regarding Jesus coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Amazing not to know your creator. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Amazing to reject your own. He came to his own, his own that did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And so how do we become a child of God is when we receive the Lord Jesus. Because he came into the world, the creator Jesus, the word that was spoken that formed this world into existence, this universe and he came into this world and the world did not recognize his creator. That he came to his own people. That he had set apart through a, a divine covenant. He came and walked in the midst of them. The very word that they had memorized, the very word that they, that they believed they knew. And they did not receive him. To reject the very word that they believed they believed. To reject that which you think you really know means you don't know it. 
And actually, that's what Jesus tells the Pharisees, those religious leaders, that uh, they're not of him because they have rejected his word. And so because they've rejected his word, who is he himself? Jesus is the living word. They don't know him. But here's the good news. As many, so he'll not reject anyone. It's about us receiving him. It's not so much about God, uh, one, two, three, okay, I like you, but one, two, three, I don't like you. It's not about God rejecting us ever. He does not ever reject. He doesn't have a, a so many numbers he has to fill, and then that's part of his kingdom, and the rest of you too bad, so sad. You're not mine no more. But it's as many as have received him to them, he gave the right. But we have a right to become children of God, and that is truly a dominion, right? That we can now exercise the power of the Christ life on earth. What is this divine right? This divine right is to bear his name. This divine right to know that I am from above. This divine right is bestowed on me by God himself. What does that mean? It's so much higher than any natural right. It's a divine right to be called a child of God, a child of the Most High God. To those that believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So when we receive him, we are born of God. And so because now I'm born of God, because I have received him, then we can go to 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians 5, and we can start at 14. The last uh, two Sundays we've read it, so this will be the third, this, this very verse, but pretty much we camp here often. Uh, for the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus. The love of Christ compels us. See, when you become a child of God and you're born of God and God is love, now love compels us. So it's no longer my own fleshy desires. So it's no longer my own earthly desires that is moving me, but now it's the very life of God. The Christ life within me is compelling me, and that's why love compels us. Because we judge thus. But if one died for all, then all died. So what does love move us to, to judge? Is that if he died for us, then we have now really in his death died with him, right? And he, verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And so he's saying, because love is compelling me, because I have seen the love of God demonstrated towards me on the cross that he sent his son to die for me. And because I recognize that that is a token and expression of divine love, that now I'm a partaker of that love. And now this love that I've partaken is moving me into this divine judgment that he has died for me. And because he has died for me, we know it from other verses that in that death, I have been baptized into the death of Christ so that now because I'm baptized into his death we know he's no longer dead so that when he was raised from the dead I with him have been raised again 
Because that's the most glorious reality to be baptized unto the death of Christ. And that's why Paul talked about the crucifixion of Christ attaining to the power that resides in that death of Christ. Because that is really when we truly come into divine life. Because it's no longer I who lives, but it's the Christ life in me. And that's why this is, it's always been so beautiful to me. Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live, those who live, and that's how I know I live. Because it's no longer I who lives, but the living God lives in me. That those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. That right there, that right there is um, a very liberating statement. That I can fellowship with men and see beyond what I see in the natural. That I can fellowship with the friendships that I have and not see them after the flesh, but see them as loved of God. See them as God sees them. Because now I don't live for myself. I don't live for my own judgments anymore. I don't live for uh, fallen judgments. But I live for a divine judgment. And what is this divine judgment? That if he died for all, we have all died. That's the ultimate divine judgment. Because he, through his death, reconciled the, reconciled the whole world unto God. And that's what we, we can come for just a little bit further down, talks about that reconciliation. And so therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we, re, we know him thus no longer. And, and I think that was um, two weeks ago that we talked about not knowing Christ after the flesh, meaning, you know, the disciples uh, that walked alongside Jesus could touch Jesus, and yet they had to get born again as well because we know when John the apostle John saw him in the very last book in the book of Revelation the resurrected Christ he he was not the Jesus that had walked the roads with him he fell as a dead man to see the resurrected king the Lord of Lords the King of Kings the soon coming king. And so we don't consider Jesus after the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, and we know we are now in Christ because we have received him. And what John wrote to us in the first verse we just read was that that, that those who have received him have been given the right to be children of God. And they're, now they're born of God, not of natural descent, but they're born of a supernatural descent. And so we are new creation. We are brand new species of being. We are brand new. And that was what we talked about, being born again. There is a new us now. And that new us is the one that's born again. All the old things have passed away. And that's another freeing statement. The old from here backwards, it's passed away. It's passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so we talked last week about new life. All things have become new. And that right there is the ultimate revelation that now I'm in a brand new moment of existence. And so that which I knew of the old life is all in my memory banks. 
It's only in my memory banks. And so the biggest moment here after I become born again is to renew my mind to this new reality. And that's this message that we're talking, we'll kind of delve into a little bit more. It might be a couple of messages. New mind. We now have a new mind to allow us to consider the right things at the right in the right perspective. And that this new mind is the very mind of Christ. So if we continue from, from where we stopped, now all things are of God. And if we go for it down in 19, actually let's go, I'll read the whole 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, not imputing sin on people anymore, not imputing you're a sinner now. What was he imputing? Life. What was he imputing when he died? He died so we might live. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. And so now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us to implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's what witnessing is. If you could say that word witnessing, of course it is. You, you're bearing witness of the Christ life. You're allowing the Christ life within you to witness to another as though God through us was crying out, imploring you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, what? The righteousness of God in him. So what is God wanting to impute on us? Righteousness, a right standing before God. And that's the way the mind renewal starts shifting and, and becoming alive within us, the mind of Christ, that we are now no longer of the old sin nature, that the old fallen nature has no longer dominion over me. But now I'm a brand new Christian. This brand new Christian has a new life and a new mind. So let's go then to 1 Corinthians. Actually, before 1 Corinthians, sorry, let's go to Romans 12. I'll do Romans 12 and then 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. Flipping the right direction, just go to Romans 12. 12, we start at 1, and here's Paul who bore such a revelation of the Christ life and wrote so many epistles on the Christ life. Here he's saying, I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. Maybe, ne maybe next Sunday after, or maybe the Sunday after I finish this message on the mind of Christ, I'll, I'll talk about new bodies, Say, hey? Talk about new bodies. I beseech you therefore, so that would, that would, that would be perfect because it's, um, we started with new you and then we did new life, which is my spirit man. Then we're now we're doing new mind, which is my soul man. And then we're going to do new body, which is the body. So spirit, soul, and body. It's exactly perfect. They'll be found intact at the Lord Jesus Christ's arrival. So here we go. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so we recognize we're now a living sacrifice. As he has laid down his life, we now are laying our life down. Why? So we can pick up the life that he gave us. So we're now one in him.
So we're now one in him. There's only one life where to live. Not my life versus his life. I only live his life. I only live the life of God, the divine life. And so that's why I'm a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. It's my form of worship to God. But this is verse 2. And do not be conformed to the world, which means that I am made to conform. We recognize that. The media recognizes by blasting the same message over and over. We are conformable. Formable. We are moldable. We are shapeable. And so we're not to be conformed to this world, to the, the system of the world, to that which is fallen, to that which is not of God, to that which represents the world. But we are to be transformed. That word is metamorphosis. That's, that's to take a brand new shape. Like, and we know it's, it's like a, the um, caterpillar going in the cocoon and coming out as a butterfly. It's a brand new transformation. Well, yeah, because we're born again. We are a brand new species. We're no longer the caterpillar. We are the, the eagles of God. We soar high in God. And so there's really no resemblance between the butterfly and the caterpillar, except the only thing was that place of the cocoon. That's the place of the baptism into his death. The baptism into his death is that cocoon, we can say. When we emerge from that, those waters of baptism, we recognize we're brand new creation. We're after the manner of God. And so we're to not conform to the world, but to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing, by the regeneration of your mind. By putting on a brand new mind, we can say, because the brand new mind is the mind of Christ, the very mind with which he walked on earth, that we have access into this divine mind. And why? So that we might prove what is accept that is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, which tells me if I do not walk in this divine mind, if I do not daily submit to the washing of this word over my mind to uh, and to the meditation of this word to bring forth a transformation of my mind that I would not even know the will of God from my life. And that's really when you think you're going forward, but you're going backward. That's when you're slipping and sliding all over thinking, I think I know the will of God. Oh, what is the will of God? But when we've done this brand new mind of Christ, there is a purpose to our walk. There is a purpose and a a planned out walk that we'll walk out. And so now we can go to 1 Corinthians. I was thinking of reading a chunk of verses here. Let's see. Let's see. Mm -mm -mm. So we, so it's Paul who wrote the book of Romans. And it's Paul who's writing here 1 Corinthians. And it's Paul who wrote Galatians and Colossians and Ephesians. And um so we recognize that he had a revelation of the mind of Christ, of course, and that he walked in this revelation of the mind of Christ. And so we have here a, uh, a written example of what it looks like to walk in the mind of Christ. So here we start from the beginning, chapter 2, 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, meaning when I came to you to testify of God or to implore unto you to be reconciled unto God, I didn't come with excellence of speech. 
For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so that is when we move through the power of the divine mind. There is only one main acknowledgement. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because it's through this death that we can now live. So all I'm mindful of is he died so I can live. And if he died and I know he died, then I'm alive. And I do live. And it brings me a boldness. That's the definition of my life. It's because he died, I live. And I don't live for myself anymore. I live to be able to give him expression. To give the divine mind expression. Because the divine mind is expressed through words. Well, we go to natural school, we go to university, we go and we do studies, and what, and then, you know, what is it produces a speech? It produces a dialogue. So when you're in the company of someone that has studied in a particular field and have excelled in that study, their, their communication is, there's an expertise to what they're saying. There is a weight to what they're saying, right? Well, so it is with God. And so that's why Paul said, I didn't come to you with natural speech because I determined to only know the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech, here we go, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. I didn't do philosophy breakdown with you. I didn't philosophize with you. I came with divine utterance. I came with spirit words. I came unveiling divine mysteries. Now that is the ultimate communication that we can have. And how do you tap into when you recognize he has died for me? And now I'm given access through this precious blood. I've been given access. Last week we looked that we've now been given access, a free access granted into the divine presence of the Lord, into the most holy of holies. And from there we speak. What do we speak? What we hear. How did Adam know to name the animals in the Garden of Eden? Caught the revelation from the mind of God. So we receive revelation from the mind of God. And thus we speak. And that's what Paul is going to say. That he, he didn't come with persuasive words to try to uh, finagle conversation and trying to, to twist your words to mean that so I can get in, 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 in some sort of a, an understanding to you. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is moving his speech. So not words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith should not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And so when Paul spoke and ministered the message of Christ, it was divinely inspired because it had to be divinely inspired because only the Holy Spirit can come and put someone's eyes on Jesus. So their faith is not on the vessel that's preaching the message, but their faith is on Jesus, who is actually speaking through them. Because the one that speaks gets the attention. So who do we want to speak through us? Divine utterance. Divine wisdom. How does that come? Meditation of this divine word. Time with your heavenly father in prayer. A walk with God. 
So that when I speak, the hearers hear a divine utterance that impacts their spirit and turns their eyes on Jesus. However, he continues in verse 6. So I said that the, their faith should not rest be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. And so this divine wisdom is really heard. I think the more we grow in Christ, the more crisply we can hear the word of God. There's a maturity that comes, a training of our spiritual ear to discern that is the voice of God. No, that's not the voice of God. You know, you, 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 it's called discernment. It's called divine discernment. It's the Holy Spirit, the unction within. You become uh, skillful with the unction within that, that it is keeping you safe at all times for you to discern truth versus a lie. And that's why John writes in, in his epistles at the end that you don't need any, no man to teach you because you have an unction within you. So I don't need my husband to come to all the conversations I have for my husband to tell me, to teach me, well, that's not of God and this is of God. No, I have an unction within me that is teaching me to discern right from wrong. So the wisdom that we speak among those that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, so all other external voices that are not the voice of God are coming to nothing. Nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God, which of course we know is eternal, in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they knew, if... if, if Powers and principalities, fallen powers and principalities, demonic entities or unrenewed minds of men knew that Jesus is the Son of God and that by his death that he would bring forth a redemption to humanity. They would not have crucified the Lord of glory because they just damned themselves. They put an end to their power at that moment because you know, once he died, he went down to the pit of hell and defeated every power and principality. So if those powers knew that I was going to come, about after that crucifixion, they would not have crucified him. So the more they mocked him, the more they pushed him towards the cross, the more they made him carry the cross, the more they beat him, the more they were actually doing it unto themselves. They were not sowing good seeds. And their harvest was their doom and gloom. Coming to naught. But we speak hidden mysteries. Hidden wisdom, which is which God ordained before the ages to our glory, and we know that yes, we read first eight. So, so nine. But but it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God. So though no human eye has seen, nor human ear has heard. The things that God has ordained for us. But now he's going to say, by the Spirit, we've been given divine information. We've been privied to mysteries. Verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. And what that is communicating is this, as the spirit within man searches the mind of the man, so the Holy Spirit coming out of God is searching the mind of God. And so when we are walking under the unction of the Holy Spirit, we are... The Holy Spirit is the function of God that's directing us according to the perfect will of God. So let's keep reading. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, which we can add is coming to naught, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they're spiritual discerned. They're too lofty for the natural mind. See, when God speaks and when we read the Word of God, it's spiritually discerned. It, it will bear witness within our heart. And very often it hits our head. And that as soon as it hits our head, that's when you've got to disengage the mind and allow the truth of the word of God to penetrate your heart. So you only through your heart would you perceive this is truth. Because unless the mind is renewed, it would always block the utterance of God. Unless the mind is renewed, you would not uh, uh, comprehend the spiritual utterance of God. Because it's, it's what does it say here we just read? Um that we compare spiritual things with spiritual because they're spiritually discerned. Okay, I'll read the 14 again. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. So I read all that to say this is truly a demonstration of the function of the Holy Spirit, which bears witness within us of the mind of God. So that we will know mysteries, and from these mysteries, we will speak divine wisdom. And so when we speak, moved by this new mind that we have, the mind of Christ, it will resonate in another in their sight will go to Jesus and not to us. But we have the mind of Christ. Let's go to Galatians. Yeah, Galatians 1. This is Paul again writing regarding the message of Christ and that he has received this message from God. Let's start 11. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me so that which I spoke, which we know he said, we just read in 1 Corinthians, it, it was not spoken from man's wisdom, right? But he's speaking through divine revelation. So here he's, he's adding another layer. He's saying, I want you to know that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. It's not of natural descent. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it by man, we can say. But it came how? Through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who's the author of the revelation? The Holy Spirit. 
the very mind of Christ, the very mind of God communicated this truth to Paul. And if we go to 15, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb. I can so relate to this verse. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer what? With flesh and blood. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia. He set himself apart and returned again to Damascus. Because he knew at that moment that he needed more revelation. And man couldn't give him that revelation, so to say. When he received the revelation, he knew the guarding is of the revelation. Don't touch it with your mind. Don't start dissecting it and, and, and using your fallen mind of the old man to distinguish, is this God or is this not God? What I do when I hear the word of the Lord, I, you know, certain impressions of, of instruction, of, of direction, I, 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 I won't just go around and usually say to everyone, I, I, what, I go on the prayer chair. I go to Arabia. I go and I set myself apart. Because I recognize it's of God. This moment that I'm just hearing, it's from God and only God can expound it to me. I can't touch it with my own flesh and blood. Live alone, take it to someone else's flesh and blood. It's to be guarded. It's divine. It's of God. It's most holy. It's of the Holy Spirit. It's precious revelation. Precious revelation. Because it's to do with the very mind of God. If we go to Philippians, Philippians 2, we have a brand new mind. I'm just going through verses here. I think... This is one of the biggest challenges in the Christian walk is this mind renewal. The number one hold back to any believer, it's not Satan. It's not your flesh. It's your unrenewed mind. It's your unrenewed mind. So when the mind is not renewed through this liberty of the word of God, through the washing of the word, then the nature of the flesh gangs up. And then Satan moves in. But really... The core of the message of new you, of being born again, is this brand new mind. Because this mind that we now have, the mind of Christ, is the epicenter of all wisdom. It's the epicenter of divine uh, plannings. It's the epicenter of all navigation. And we walk, when we walk in this, in the masterfulness of the mind of God, we are walking a very precise God walk on earth. And we at that moment are above all. Why? Because only that which is above all is moving me to walk. And so that which moves you to speak is giving direction to your walk. And so when you're being moved by the mind that is above, when you're being moved from a divine mind, what are you walking out? A divine walk. That's what determines whether I walk in victory or not. We know the victory is assured in Christ, but I can choose not to walk in the victory of Christ and be bashed every single day of my life and barely make it to heaven and then come with the wrong theology. I guess it was the will of God. I'm just a martyr for Jesus. No, you just failed to renew your mind. You were just too busy, just too busy. Had no time to spend with God in the Word. Yeah, and there is a true martyr of God. But when you flesh out, 
and you allow the world to entertain you and conform you, and the word says don't be conformed by that world, then we have no excuse. Can't put it on God. Cannot put it on God. Cannot put it on God. Because it's up to us to renew our minds. We read, I'm not sure if it was, we looked at Colossians, um, the verse in Colossians 3 about setting our minds above last Sunday. Or I, I did a Dominion talk as well. I spoke on the mind renewal as well. But set your mind above. It's a resetting. That's why Dominion talks this week. I talked about resetting the mind. Reset the mind. Reset it. How do I reset it? I set it. I set it. From the lower, I reset it to the higher. I reckon that old man dead. And I set it on those things which are above. That's what Colossians 3 writes about. Because where Christ is, I am. From that moment of divine revelation, I am moving and I'm not allowing my old mind of flesh and blood to touch it. Don't touch it. Just walk with his divine inspiration. Now, I recognize there's a great training and grooming. It's not an overnight journey. But you've got to cultivate this mind of Christ. You've got to put on the Christ life. How do you put on? By putting off the old. I recognize what does Paul also write to the Corinthians? That we are to what? Bring every lofty thought down. Everything that is what? Coming against the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything wants to exalt itself above the knowledge. Wants to exalt itself. The world wants to exalt itself above the knowledge of Christ. You in your mind can bring it down. I can't bring it down in someone else's mind. That's not mine to do. I can, through a divine utterance, communicate truth. And then the Holy Spirit then can work with that truth. But the mind situation is my own working. I choose what I meditate. I choose what I think on. And so to be able to think on these high things is what we're actually made to do. To carry the mind of Christ. What does that look like? That's the ultimate transformation. And we know the story of Jesus with his, this, the, the three closest disciples, Peter, John, and James, going on the Mount of Transfiguration, the, which is the very word transformation. The word that Paul says that uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the metamorphosis, that he went on this Mount of Transfiguration, this Mount of Transformation. What does it look like? He, he glory divine. He, he shone like glory, glistening white. Jesus was transformed in there in the, in the three disciples. So Jesus resurrected in a way you could say with a brand new mind. And that's what we're pressing from glory to glory. That's what we're moving into from glory to glory. It is to take on the mind of Christ, to be able to walk in the mind of Christ and not to stumble after, over the old man, not to stumble with old thoughts, not to stumble of, oh, what's wrong with me? Oh, I'm such a wretch. Oh, I can't ever get this right. Oh, my dear, like, i got to work on myself more. No, 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 scrap that. I'm a brand new creation. God, you are the workmanship of my life. You have free access to do with me what you want to do with me. I'm a beautiful creation, God. There's nothing wretched about me. There's nothing wrong with me. 
I'm brand new. I have a brand new life. Now, what I'm saying comes from meditation. It comes from you mulling over that you're brand new creation. You've got a brand new life. And we said you have to find out who you are. And because you've got a brand new life, you've got a brand new mind. The mind of Christ. The very expression of divine wisdom on earth. Oh, so when you speak, it brings a marvel. Mysteries expressed through a human vessel. Just like Jesus walked earth with that divine expression. And so here, Philippians, Paul writing again, let this mind, so Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you, which was in whom? In Christ Jesus. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, now you have this mind. So let it be in you. It's allowed that mind the mind of God to function in you. How do you allow the mind of Christ to function in you? By bringing every thought that wants to exalt itself above. To lie to you, you don't have it. To lie to you, you don't have access to it. To lie to you that you just don't want a special few. No, no, I'm a child of God. And so I bring down every thought and I allow the mind of Christ. I set my gaze above where he is. And so I allow this mind of his to be functioning in me. And so let's go again. Five, for let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What does this mind look like? Who being the form in the form of God, that's Jesus being in the form of God, did not consider it a robbery to be equal with God. That's profound. And Paul is saying the mind that he walked in, he didn't consider it. What? You see, with your mind, you consider things, right? So what was the consideration of the mind of Christ? He didn't consider what? It to be robbery, to be called equal with God. He's saying, let this consideration be functioning in you. What a bold statement. Well, yeah, because we're born of God. We're his children. Of course we bear his resemblance. Of course we are. And we don't count it robbery to call ourselves that we resemble our master. But the religious mindset struggles with this a lot. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just a piece of speck over there somewhere, and God's over there somewhere, and oh, my dear, he's going to smite. No, God is love. And we now, through the body of Christ, have become one with love. We are one with God. There's no more separation between God and I. Why would I consider Robert to call myself equal with God if I'm one with God? That he lives in me now. And so he didn't, didn't consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And this is it, humility. Made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God, and this is, we're going to look at, we're having the very same walk that we are humbling ourselves before our Father, before our Heavenly Father. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that are the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he's saying, let this mind be in you. Why? Here in verse 13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do to his good pleasure. 
Why do I allow this mind? Because I recognize it's God in me doing the work. It's the very mind of God moving me now to give expression to this divine working that he wants to bring on earth through me, through you, through all of us, the body of Christ. So what we just read, that he humbled himself even to the point of death, right? Even death of the cross. That's the tail end of eight. And nine, therefore God also highly exalted him, highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every name. Well, look at this. What does first Peter say? What does Peter say? What does Peter say here? First Peter 5, chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed what? With humility. Why? Because that's how Christ walked. Humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, therefore, let this mind be in you, right? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what Christ did. He humbled himself to the mind of God. The mind of God was to save humanity. The mind of God was Jesus was going to come and die for us. The mind of God is that through that death, he was going to bring resurrection. And through the resurrection, he was going to give newness of life to those who received that truth. That was the mind of God that Christ humbled himself to. And so we now are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And we saw the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ when he humbled himself. It's not me to exalt myself. It's God's exaltation of us. It's God placing us in the right place at the right moment. It is the Lord who brings, bestows honor and favor to us. It's not mine to bring favor to myself and honor. It is the Lord who bestows it on us. That he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares. That's the one way we humble ourselves is just give your cares to him. Just trust him. Just, just, just surrender. Just, just give your cares. What is your day going to be like tomorrow? Just give that to him. What is it going to be this evening? Just give it to him. That's the humble life is when you submit to his perfect will. And thereafter, I don't have a care. Doesn't mean it looks like irresponsibility. It just looks like faith. And if you call walking in faith irresponsible, then you have an issue with God. Because <laughs> God said that just shall live by faith. What is faith? What is faith? What does Hebrews say faith is? What does Hebrews 11 talk about faith? Just to have a clarity of what this, this, this walk looks like. Now, faith is what the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I'm walking with an evidence that's not seen. So everyone around me would think, you're irresponsible. There's something amiss with you. I'm like, no, there's nothing amiss with me. I'm just walking by an unseen reality. I'm walking, I'm walking out. Things are not seen. And by so doing, I'm obtaining a good testimony with my Lord. And that's why he says here, God in due time will exalt you, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. In verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom you may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And that is what looks like to walk the humble life. I've cast my cares on him and he will exalt me. 
He will exalt me and he will strengthen me and he will establish me and he will settle me. And what it looks like from here to over there, I don't have a care. I just keep walking. I just keep yielding to the divine mind, which is a mind of sobriety. And that's what I'll just, you don't have to go there. But in, in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, not the spirit of the world. That's why we don't conform to it. But of power, of love, and what? Of a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. And this mind, there's soundness and there's sobriety. And there's nothing amiss. But it's pure perfection of a life lived unto God. We're done. We're done. That's it. New mind.